What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Naime, with Digging In With Naime. If this is your first time on the pod, welcome. If you've been here before, welcome back, family. Today's episode, well, first off, it's Women's Month. Uh, March is Women's Month, so we're celebrating our women this month. Uh, today's episode, I was joined with my girl, Yasmin Reyes. We went to high school together and have, um, we lived together for a year. We've known each other for some time, but we talk about PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome and it's something that she is currently experiencing and have been experiencing so we talk about it a little bit um we talk about uh, fertility a little bit and this syndrome and, and this causes symptoms and um yeah it was a really good conversation i was able to learn a lot more and i'm excited for you all to hear it kim does not join us on this episode but you can expect to hear from her next week I hope you all enjoy. Hi, everyone. My name is Yasmin Reyes. I am a, a Mexican-American, 1.5 generation um, immigrant. Uh, my parents immigrated here from Mexico, and um, I was a first-generation college student. I am currently pursuing my master's degrees, soon to finish, hopefully in May, so also a first-generation college um student um i have polycystic ovary syndrome so pcos and i was diagnosed when i was about 23 years old oh so you've known for a while i have known for a while um but i actually started having the symptoms when i was about 17 years old um and i went to a lot of OBGYNs who could not tell me what I had or what was going on. I had irregular periods since I was about 17. Uh, there would be years where I would have a period maybe once or twice. Um, and they just kept recommending putting me on birth control and never finding like the root of the issue. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Can you tell us about uh, your symptoms? What symptoms were you seeing? Yeah. So, I did leave, live a pretty active life. Uh, I was in soccer, cross country in middle school, uh, early high school. And then I started taking more of an intensive course load. So I decided to stop playing soccer and my body, body started to change a lot um, come my junior year of high school. And at first it was just these irregular periods. Um, and when I let my mom know, I mean, the worry is like, why don't you have your period? You should have your period if you've always had your period. Um, so she did help me go see a doctor. But uh, the biggest thing was that I started to gain a lot of weight. And while my lifestyle did change a little bit, I wasn't obviously, you know, as active. I was still, you know, walking around. I was still doing things. And the increase of weight was like pretty dramatic. I would say over the course of a year, year and a half, I had gained about 35 pounds, 40 pounds. And um, my stress didn't help the cause. (laughs) Uh, With the course loads, I was working part time, I was really involved in clubs and organizations. So I think every doctor was just like, your stress is too high. And that's the issue. So find ways to calm down and it'll get better. But then I also just started to have like insomnia. I couldn't sleep. I would go to sleep really late and I would wake up and I would just still be exhausted um, later to come out that I just had a hormone imbalance that I just didn't 
know what that was or why my body was just different um, as far as I was feeling different physically. I was feeling different emotionally. I was feeling different. And I just didn't know why all that was happening. And I just thought it was part of growing older. <laughs> uh, but a lot of these symptoms are what people with polycystic syndrome, um, ovary syndrome do experience. Mm. Can you tell us what PCOS is? Yeah. So the biggest way that doctors, uh, especially OBGYNs used to look at polycystic ovary syndrome and, and the reason it's called what it is, is women would have these cysts, multiple cysts in their ovaries um, that would cause symptoms um, such as irregular periods or no periods at all, um, hormone imbalances. Um, one of the biggest one was like facial hair that was um, quote unquote abnormal for women. Um, and so what a lot of the testing used to include was just getting um, an internal scan to see if there was any cyst in the ovaries. And so I didn't experience that symptom. And so I, that's why it was never categorized with um, PCOS when I was younger. Um, I actually was diagnosed by a general practitioner who mm. said, you had all these other symptoms. Let's test your hormones. Let's test all these other um, things. And he said, yep, you have it. Uh, let's get you to see a specialist. And um, at the time, I didn't have the insurance or just the knowledge, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, I, like I mentioned, I grew up, um, you know, as a part of a Mexican household where we regard adults as they know best and you respect what they say. And I think that's what was difficult about this this experience overall is that if I would go to a doctor, I would explain what I was experiencing and they would tell me, Oh, that's not this, or it's, it's okay. You're going to get on birth control. It'll, it'll fix everything. Yeah. Um, you're just like, okay, yeah, I'll try it. I'll do it. And then nothing changes. And you're, you're, I mean, I, for me, I thought, okay, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not doing this right. Or it's on me. Um, because this is a doctor. They, went to medical school, they have experience and they know what's best for me. Um, and so I think that was what was difficult is that I didn't know that I could advocate for myself and talk about, um, I could basically say, this is what I'm experiencing and this is true and this is real and I need help because you're a medical professional that should be helping me and not telling me that what I'm feeling or not feeling is real or emotional. And I think that's something um, I had read a lot about is um, in general, doctors are more likely to believe a woman is being illogical about her medical symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, and they prescribe like therapy or, you know, they, they prescribe things to you when physically things are happening that need to be um, dealt with in order for you to get better. Yeah. And, and to, to that point, I think a lot of the reason, too, is that there's still a lot of um, white men, mm -hmm. older, especially white men who are doctors. And so you have where we there, especially now where there's so many more uh, women of color. But if a lot of our science still operates off of white men's bodies, you know, what I'm mm -hmm. saying like that, that's a lot of our science. Um, and so 
PCOS is actually not rare. It's actually very common. Mm-hmm. One in 12 women um, in the reproductive age actually deal with it. So the, that that's a lot. And then seven in 10 of these women go undiagnosed. So like that's a, that's a, a very high, I don't know the percentage of that. Um, but if we're thinking about all the women like that, that's a pretty decent number of women who, and girls, get girls and or women who deal um, with it, people who are experiencing periods, really, or excuse me, who, who um, experience ovulation is what I should say. Um, there's also something I did not know. So PCOS is a, um, I can never say this word correctly, endo, endocrine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Endocrine. Yeah, I can't say it <laughs> endocrine. I think that's how it's pronounced. Endocrine and metabolic disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so it also just affects your body, which which it sounds like you are experiencing beyond the ovaries. So it's not just a uh, my ovaries are affected, but it's like like to like what you were saying, right? So you were gaining weight. Um, there are also some symptoms of people um, get acne and mm-hmm. or uh, like you said, weight changing, shifting. Um, there's also higher your the hormone does change, right? So higher levels of testosterone is something that's found, um, mood changes. And so there are some, you know, things that come with this. Um, Can you tell us? So you you had at 17 at what or when I'm sorry, you you found out at 17 that you had it. Uh, I found out at 23, I was diagnosed. um, Okay. But at 17, I started feeling the symptoms and going to see doctors. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And and yes, a lot of time, birth control is what we prescribe for everything, I feel like. Like, everything. I um, A few years ago when I went to the doctor's office because my, my period was starting to get a little weird. Like, And I say weird because it was not my normal. So a little out of my normal. Um, and I had a few questions and I was losing weight. And one of the things that they had encouraged me to do is is birth control. They said it'll help um, you gain weight. And it's like, why why would we just go straight to birth control? Why wouldn't we look at anything? Why why am I losing weight? Right? Like that's the first mm-hmm. question. Why why am I losing weight? Um, and I later found out it was other things had nothing to do with that. But that was one of the first things that they encouraged me to get. Um, so you're 23, and what happens at 23? when you are diagnosed? Yeah. So um, like I mentioned, my general practitioner, he had told me like, you have the symptoms. Um, and then he didn't have like the bedside manners to say, you know, this is the leading cause, one of the leading causes of infertility. And so it's likely that you won't be able to birth your own like children. Um, and the quality of your eggs right now are probably at the best that they can or will be so he told me to highly consider getting my eggs frozen mm-hmm. um so at that point I mean I didn't even have a boyfriend so uh <laughs> I was like oh whoa I just came in here for like a general check-in you know once a year annual physical um and I got out of there just feeling like so um sad I guess was the best word to say I mean there's a part of me that was oh, okay, I read into polycystic ovary syndrome and I read these things and it did align, but because I didn't have the cyst, I was like, I don't have it. And that's what I actually told him because um, 
I was like, yeah, you know, they did the scans internally. I don't have it because I don't mm-hmm. have cysts. And he was like, you can have it without yeah. having cysts. And that was like, oh, my God, I've known about PCOS since I was like 18. And I kept thinking, I don't have this. I don't have this. There's something something else wrong with me, you know. Um, so for him to say, like, that's not uncommon for people to have PCOS and not have um, the cyst. I was like, oh, okay, I had no idea. Um, And I think that took me just some time to, like, look more into it. Um, And the first thing that he actually did was prescribe me uh, metformin. Um, And that is a pill that is commonly prescribed to people with uh, diabetes. And Mm -hmm. so um, I don't remember what it should do. But uh, one of the things that I experienced as a symptom was also insulin resistance. So my body wasn't doing what it should be whenever I did consume anything that had sugar in it. And so like bread, for example, or, you know, alcohol or, or things that have sugar in it, aside from like candy, uh, everything does usually have sugar. Right. And so my body would, instead of um, using it to help me be energized and complete physical activities and things like walking um my body was storing it and so that also was um impacting you know my energy levels my sleep patterns a lot so when I got on metformin this doctor was a little different um, and he's like yeah take a picture of yourself you know today and do it while you're naked and then take a picture of yourself nine months from now and you're gonna look so different so he prescribed me on metformin and I'm like, oh my God, this is going to change. So just the way I felt about like pills. Oh, this yeah. is going to change it. And I was like, metformin, it's going to change it. Um, okay. So the thing with metformin is the side effects. Uh, some people have constipation. Some people have di- um, diarrhea. Some people have digestive issues when they take it. Um, and so I unfortunately didn't have the best uh, experience taking it. So after mm. about six months, I did stop taking it and so um it it was difficult because again I had this idea that like oh now I know what the problem is now I'm going to take this medication and now it's going to get better and it just wasn't so um I just kind of felt like you know what I don't even have a boyfriend I don't even know if I want to have children I'm not going to worry about it because like most people, if you're in the middle of doing work and you have all these other things going on in your life, you're not going to prioritize your health. Mm. And that's kind of what I slipped into, especially because I just didn't feel like I had um, the voice to tell doctors, like, this isn't working. I need something different. What are my options? It was still me feeling like, well, I have to respect what this medical professional is telling me. If they're telling me this is going to work and it's not working, then mm-hmm. nothing's going to work for me because there are no other options because they should be telling me what my options are, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that on, on various levels. I think um, – hmm. yeah. So did you – okay, so then, so then you, you stopped taking it. Did you see any, any shift at all that was good? Did it help you at all? I mean, being a metformin did, I, I think, at first help. The first maybe two, three months, I did feel like a little bit better. 
And I couldn't necessarily say why. I think it was also just emotionally knowing what I had um, and starting to read up on it and read up on um, articles like from medical um, magazines and things about polycystic ovary syndrome. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I also felt like I was getting defeated because of infertility. And, you know, for a while growing up, I didn't think I wanted to have kids. Mm -hmm. And then hearing you might not be able to really change that perspective for me. Like I had a choice. And if I could make that choice, I could say no or yes. But then someone was kind of telling me, you're not going to have a choice anymore. And I think that was really difficult to deal with. And so um, it did make it difficult because then I was like, do I want to have kids? Um, Is that something that I want for myself? If I want to have kids, should I be freezing my eggs? I mean, Mm -hmm. I had uh, recently graduated from college and the job I had, there was no way I was going to be able to afford doing something like that. So I remember um, telling my parents and, you know, I think at the time I was looking for comfort um, and not that they weren't trying to be comforting, but I just remember, you know, one of them saying, well, if it's God's will, like it's going to happen, um, which kind of made me feel like, so if, if it's a no, it's a no, if it's a yes, yes. It just felt really like hard to hear at the yeah. time. I get that. And that, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you. Uh, did you, cause I know for me, so I don't think, well, there's two questions actually. Do you, have you, did you find anything wrong with your thyroid? Did it affect your thyroid at all? Yeah, great question. So I think a lot of the time I thought that that could be an issue. I do have some um, family in, or I have family who has had issues with their thyroids and um, I got tested and there wasn't anything that was of concern with my thyroid, Mm. uh, which I was you know, happy of all the symptoms, you know, I know that there's a lot that can happen if, if your thyroid is having issues. So I was thankful I didn't have that. Um, but there's nothing that has been the concern for my doctors when they test that for me. Mm, okay. I, uh, I, so I deal with, uh, hyperparathyroidism. Um, it's something that is new and to me, new to me, and, I, and I'm kind of navigating it, figuring it out. I've had a lot of doctor's appointments and, I think my parents, my dad specifically, but really both my parents, um, and I mean, they're about the same age as your parents. They're like around the same age. And I don't know if it's the generation or if it's the terrible bedside manner, but there's this idea of like, oh, you, you'll be fine or you can just fix mm-hmm. it. Like, mm-hmm. like I had conversations where I was like, well, I can't eat certain things because it makes me feel this way or whatever. Um, and to them, they kind of brush it off. It's like, oh, you just don't want to eat. So did you have experience like that with your family where it was like, you know, you know, they love you. So, you know, that they want to support you, but there's just a misunderstanding of like what the grand scheme of things is happening. Yeah, I think I think that's also a part of being for me personally, my family being from Mexico, I think it's a lot of a like put dirt in it, you'll be fine. Like, Mm. you know, we don't we don't have to stress about it. Like if we work hard enough, everything that we want to achieve is possible, you know, like that mentality of like, pull yourself up from the bootstraps, it'll be fine. Um, So I think 
then there's like the intersection of like belief and Christianity and like, Mm -hmm. you know, God's will. And, you know, so I think when I have both of these things coming from their standpoint, you know, it can feel like a little bit overwhelming because, you know, now that I'm taking, um, my master's program is in counseling. So it's interesting just to know, um, sometimes we just need validation that yeah. what we're feeling is what we're feeling. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it wrong. We can feel the way that we are because that's, that's what's coming to us, you know, in that moment. Um, obviously I think people want to talk it through so people can stop feeling the way that they are, mm-hmm. but that doesn't always resolve it because those feelings are still going to be there because the feeling is the emotional that sometimes the logical can't drown out, you know? Um, so I do think that it, it can be sometimes touchy. I know for me, I think the most difficult part was when I was starting to date my now husband and I was like, well, when do I tell him? Oh, okay. Yes. Tell us about this conversation. How did that go? Yeah. Well, you know, I think I was so nervous because it's like, it's a new relationship. You don't know if you need to bring up all that stuff yet. You don't know where that person is, you know, where you're at emotionally, how invested you are. And I remember at about, I want to say maybe like the four month mark, you know, I was really, really serious about the relationship. I was, I mean, I remember my first date, you know, he was like, we would find each other on a dating app and he's like, so what brought you to the dating app? And I was like, well, I'm looking for a husband. (laughs) Oh, I was not expecting that. He's like, most people just say they're here for friends or to meet new people or, you know, whatever. And I was like, well, you know, I have plenty of friends. I don't need that. Yeah. (laughs) Say that. (laughs) And I mean, it didn't, it didn't scare him away. (laughs) I'm thankful for that. So I think, um, something that I I wanted to always do in my relationship is be direct about everything and just timing it out to to a way where I didn't feel like he doesn't need to know this yet that's kind of a weird thing to tell him um but at month four I don't know we were driving somewhere or from somewhere and we happened to come across the the topic of babies and children how many do you want like you know that conversation and um, I just took this deep breath in and exhaled and it just felt like the longest minute and I was like well you know there's something I want you to know I was diagnosed with polycystic ovary syndrome I don't know if I will be able to have children I you know I don't know where you stand on that I don't know how you see adoption so um, it was a very deep conversation for four months into a relationship but um, he was very kind like just very like listening hearing me out and um I was telling him that I'm very open to adoption because to me you know that's something that I've thought about because I've had time to think about what my options might be if I did want to have a family and mm-hmm. you know I think something that is a little bit more difficult is um he's Puerto Rican I'm Mexican and um I think sometimes people say things and they don't realize how cruel it can be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember my dad actually saying something to the effect of like, oh, yeah, if one of you adopted some kid or child, you know, I'll love him. But I wouldn't love 
them as if they were like your blood. Mm. And you know, it could have even been a joke. It could have, you know, but I think part of this whole experience of being um, diagnosed with PCOS has been like the difficulty of people not remembering those things and saying Mm. like off the cuff comments. Um, And I think that's something that uh, a lot of people might express, you know, but, but to me, I mean, a, a child just wants to be loved. So regardless of, you know, where they came from quote unquote you know like if I love that child and that child knows I love them that that's my family you know so yeah um I think that that was probably the most difficult part of it is knowing that some people have certain views about adoption and blood relation like being blood related or not being blood related and so um I think that was what I was concerned of when I brought it up to um James my husband but he was very open and you know I I also expressed you know the possibility that if we did want to do like IVF and like those things knowing that that would be an investment that we would have to make yeah that was what we were wanting and that conversation you know like the prices for that range so much and I've had a lot of people in my life um friends that have done IVF and it can be unsuccessful and how heartbreaking that experience can be too um so you know it was a lot of talking through what those options might look like um with him and he was just very open to you know when the time comes we will work and figure it out and so I was just really thankful to have his support and know that that wasn't going to be something that turned him away from wanting to continue to be in a relationship with me yeah. And that's just comforting, right? Like that, that's comforting that, um, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. I, and, and, you know, there is, there's, as I said, there's no right or wrong way to have a family, you know, however your family is to come, your family is to come, you know, and I think it's, it's beautiful when we can see, um, Families that just reflect love and whatever, it doesn't matter if they look, cause I don't look like my father, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, people like you can argue that I actually look like his sister, my aunt, one of my aunts. Um, but nonetheless, like it's just, nonetheless, it's a beautiful thing when family comes and we also choose family as much as family comes from this idea of like blood. There's so we choose family, right? Like you're my family. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've never questioned that. Um, so, so I, I, I hear you though. I hear what you're saying. So then if you can take us, um, if you don't mind, take us on the journey. So did you end up, I don't know, excuse me, if I'm being insensitive, harvesting your eggs, is that a thing that people say? Um, How do they say that? <laughs> you know, I don't know what the technical phrase would okay. be for, <laughs> uh, but I will tell you, I, I did not end up going through with, um, doing that procedure uh, for myself because I think ethically I also came to this idea of like if I do this procedure and I never find someone would I want to do it on my own and if I didn't want to do it with my own what would happen to these eggs how do I feel about Mm. that so I had these other I guess like ethical questions that just made it too difficult to decide to do that at 23 Mm -hmm. Um, and so I actually met my uh, my now husband when I was 25 so pretty soon after um so 
I, I just didn't have, I guess, the urge to do it at that point. And I haven't done it. Um, and so that's not something that I decided for myself. Yeah. And that, and that, that's good that you were able to have that option. Like, that's beautiful. But at what point were you able to, because I know you were saying before, you didn't have um, necessarily the agency to advocate for yourself. At what point were you able to kind of, because I, I can imagine even now it, it may not, because I've been in offices and doctor's offices where it's like my mind is saying, say this, say this, say this. And, and it takes me another 45 minutes to actually say what I need to say. Um, but where did you find your agency? How did that come about? That's actually a really good question. Um, it's kind of, I feel, I guess a little disappointed in myself that I didn't have that agency. And the reason that I ended up having it wasn't even self-initiated, if you will. Um, my brother, he used to work for um, Banner Hospitals and um, he helped one of the doctors at the hospital uh, create like this web page and kind of go on his own to have his own practice. And um, my brother was like, oh, you guys will love this doctor. He recommended the doctor to me and my whole family. And um, he's like, he's a really good doctor. You know, whatever's happening, he's going to like hear you out, ask great questions. He's not just trying to get you in and out. You know, he's really trying to have a conversation. He has a holistic approach of how he can help. Um, because while, you know, he is an expert in obesity, nutrition, um, allergies, he also, um, has more of a naturopathic also like in a place for medicine that Mm -hmm. we we can have things that are from the earth and from the ground that are going to help us sometimes more or better or easier than something that is medicated and created in the lab. Yeah. And so when I heard about him, I was like, oh, you signed me up. So um, I went and um, met this doctor, Dr. Heavy in Surprise. And he like completely changed how I saw how a conversation should go in the mm-hmm. medical um, space, how I should feel. I should feel valued. I should feel heard. I should feel like this man, when I first checked in, you know, at my first um, meeting with him he's just like what else what else what else and I was like, oh my god I've never had a doctor tell me and what else like yeah he's always been very transactional what are you here for okay great check that one thing out but you know um mm-hmm. and he was just very much of like well what's going on what have you dealt with and I remember uh, I think my first visit with him was probably like 40 minutes of me just like, well, this is what happened. This is kind of at 17, what I experienced and the differences I felt, you know, and then what happened when I was 23, when I was diagnosed and the issues I had been having. And he just was like guiding me through that conversation to know this is the model of how this should look, how this should feel as a patient that you should feel like we're collaboratively working together to figure out a solution for what you're experiencing. And so um, I think I was probably maybe 24 when I first saw him and to be able to have those type of conversations and to feel um, completely heard, never interrupted me, always let me say what I was even feeling. Um, and he was like, great, this is what we're going to do. You know, 
your stress is something that you have to manage because that's just something that's not good for your body. Um, your, your weight is something that we have to work on. Like, what can we do? What is, and it's always realistic goal setting with him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something I hadn't had in a medical professional is like this accountability mm-hmm. of like, okay, you're going to come back in a month. What are we shooting for? What are we aiming for? So also even like this coaching piece um, that I still haven't had with other doctor. I mean, I've only ever, I only ever really see him now because I do need those pieces for all of this to work uh, medically speaking for me. I see. That's, that's good. I'm glad you, you're able to experience that because as you said that that's new, not new, but it's unfortunately it's not as common as you would think. It just isn't because I've had, I've had some experiences as well. Um, What, how are you dealing with it now? Like, what does it now look like today's time, um, especially with the pandemic and now this war? Like, what does it look like with you, with your body, mentally, emotionally, physically? Yeah, I would say um, it, it's been difficult uh, just because before this, um, we, when I first started seeing him, we had worked together on this meal plan. We had worked together on, you know, these steps that I was taking and I was able to really get to a good place where the symptoms I was experiencing were lessened. I wasn't mm-hmm. feeling them as much. Um, I mean, there was a point where I was starting to get uh, my period a little bit more regularly. Um, and then due to job changes, schedule changes, Like it just was difficult to continue to go. I was going like every month. And so it became a lot more difficult to see him and have that accountability for myself, um, which I need to succeed in this space, unfortunately. Um, And so when the pandemic happened, I just started to kind of go back to the stress eating. Um, I think that was the biggest thing that he helped me learn is like food is not for reward or for punishment. You know, Mm -hmm. it's for nourishment and it's not to get full, it's to not be hungry. Mm -hmm. And so um, when the pandemic happened, it was all about like, what do I need to get through today? Like, what Mm -hmm. can I eat? What can I not do? What can I, you know, what, what are the basic things I can do to feel okay? The pandemic was definitely obviously a rough time for a lot of people. And for me, mentally, it had definitely taken a toll. Um, and I was just terrified of COVID. I was terrified of getting COVID and my family getting COVID. And um, I definitely didn't go to the doctor's office because in my mind, that's where a lot of the testing that's, and yeah. <laughs> that was the place where you would go. That's where you get it. Exactly. So, yeah, I get that. So then I wasn't going and I wasn't seeing him and, you know, I think the first time I saw him was maybe middle of the year last year. And um, he was just like, wow, like you've really gone kind of off the path. Um, And I was like, yeah, like in all honesty, my stress is just unmanageable. Like my anxiety and my like worries are just really difficult for me to deal with that I'm not taking the physical um, into account. And so um, he worked with me to actually figure out something different. Um, And so he actually prescribed me to go to a compound pharmacy um, where they make 
a prescription specific to the individual. So I got this blood work testing done to see where my hormone levels were, where um, certain like regular things like vitamin D, vitamin B, where my levels were at. And then um, he took all that lab work, sent it to the compound pharmacy, and they created um, kind of this like melt away mouth thing (laughs) where you uh, just put in between your cheek and your gums and it melts away over the course of like an hour. And, um, that is just to kind of get into my bloodstream, the hormones at the levels I should have them and uh, vitamin D. So um, that's what I've been taking for the last couple of months. It definitely has helped. Uh, there's a lot of times where I'm able to just go to sleep um, after I, I take it. And that's probably one of the biggest things I've been struggling with is like taking all these melatonin gummies to try to go to bed and <laughs> stay asleep and, so um, it, it has been helping me to, to have that. Um, and I'm working slowly to try to get back into the, the mentality of food is not punishment or reward. It's for me to have nourishment. And so uh, I'm getting back on the path, I would say, but I'm definitely not where I was maybe a couple of years ago. Mm. But that's okay. I want to encourage you that like you just continue to go up, right? And even if yeah. you take a step back, right? The Bible says the uh, woman falls seven times, she gets back up eight. And so don't even, I hope that this encourages you to just continue pushing on. Um, if there's anything you would like to tell the people, what would you like to tell them? Um, I think one, one thing with polycystic ovary syndrome is also this idea that only overweight women have it. Mm. Um, so I did also want to shed light that um, women who are within the normal BMI are still possible to have polycystic ovary syndrome. I mean, there, there's just so many symptoms and I think it, it manifests in different people and people in different ways. Mm-hmm. So if it is something that you're experiencing like an irregular period or just difficulty with the periods, um, I definitely would recommend to seek out some type of medical professional. And I mean, the other thing is you're hiring these people. So if they're not doing the work for you, go and find a different one if you can. Um, I know that's not always the case given certain medical insurance practices and policies, but if you are able to change and get someone who is going to be a little bit more of a a partner, a collaborative partner with you for your health, um, that's definitely something that I would recommend doing. Um, In addition to that, there are websites online Mm -hmm. um, that actually rank like doctors readiness to help with people who experience polycystic ovary syndrome. So, um, you know, there are some doctors that are maybe a little bit more familiar. And uh, I wouldn't say, you know, OBGYNs and gynecologists are going to be your best resource because Mm -hmm. it is for a lot of people very hormone impacting um, type of medical um, thing. Oh, God, I can't think of the word. Sorry. I, it's okay. I brain fog. Um, but uh, I would say that, you know, um, there, there are resources and even online there's groups too. I know I follow a lot of pages now that didn't exist when I first had it from like different meals that you can prepare to different things that you can do or different type of specialists that you can see to get assistance. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those. Yeah, there are quite a bit of resources. I'll put some in the show notes um, that this is nothing to be shameful about. Uh, and if at any moment you notice a shift in your period, like I, my period 
has always been very regular. My menstrual cycle is regular. Um, I normally don't get um, PMS. Like I normally don't experience symptoms of any like pain um, or anything, just acne. But over the last few months, I start cramping, which is like different for me, which is why I even went to the doctors and was able to find out that I have a hyperparathyroidism. And so really pay attention to your body. If you start to notice little shifts and things that aren't um, your normal, right? Because I think a lot of time when I had was advocating for myself, my doctor's like, oh, that's normal. I'm like, no, 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 no. That may be normal for someone else. That's not my normal. Right. Like, I don't, I don't experience it like this. This is how I experience it. And then so it was me advocating for myself that eventually was like, all right, go, we'll go look at it. And I received some answers. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for coming. Can you tell us where to find you? Where can the people find you, girl? Um, I guess the best place to find me would be on Instagram uh, at yasmin.jpg. So Y A Z M I N dot J P G. <laughs> Thank you for joining. I really appreciate you for being honest and transparent and open. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me anytime. I really appreciate this opportunity and definitely ain't no shame in something that is a part of your body so right <laughs> definitely I mean even talking about it is helpful for us to destigmatize like our consumptions about what's normal or appropriate to talk about and every you know woman biologically is going to have a period or should have a period um, so that's something that we shouldn't be shamed for talking about right thank you thank you thank you and I'll talk to you soon if you liked this episode please share uh, consider subscribing consider liking consider rating us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts so that other people can hear the great conversations that we have. And remember that I'm all about questioning the status quo and having deep conversations that some may consider taboo. And I really don't think that there's any conversation that is not uh, that cannot be for public discourse. It may not be a public conversation on such a large platform, but I think that every conversation can be had amongst friends and family. And yeah, so help me do what I do. I hope you enjoyed it. Peace.